Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are an ever-evolving community of visionaries, dreamers, and doers who have been called by God to live the lives that we were created to live, commanded by God to love beyond the limits of our prejudices, and commissioned by God to serve. And if that is too much for you to, to say, we say three things here. We live... We love, we serve. So don't make sure, make sure you're not just saying it. Make sure that you're living by it. All right. So today, our scripture for today, our text for today comes from the book of Mark. Easy to find the first book in the Bible, in the New Testament. Mark chapter two, we're going to be reading verses one through five. Mark chapter two, verses one through five. And I am reading them from the message Bible. It's, it reads as such. After a few days, Jesus returned to Capernaum and word got around that he was back home. A crowd gathered jamming the entrance so no one could get in or out. He was teaching the word. They brought a paraplegic to him carried by four men. When they weren't able to get in because of the crowd, they removed part of the roof and lowered the paraplegic on the stretcher. Impressed by their bold belief, Jesus said to the paraplegic, son, I forgive your sins. Let us pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you that all, as the song says, you are able to do any and everything that we need. God, let us approach you today with boldness and with audacity, knowing that whatever is missing in our lives, you are able to give us. Let our hearts be open today for the word. Just as Jesus was speaking the word in this text, let us not look at who the messenger is, God, but what you want to say to each and every one of us. We love you. We are grateful and we are humbled to be in relationship with you, God. We love you. And it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Deacon King. And before we get started, we like to acknowledge when we have some guests in the building. And so we just want to acknowledge um, Shirlene McRae, uh, <laughs> Mayor Bill de Blasio's wife. Um, thank you so much. And his son, thank you so much for being here with us um, and worshiping with us today. You may be seated. Um, you may be seated. It's good to see y'all. I know every week we've come up here and each one of us have, has had our moment where we've talked about how great it is to be in front of people, but it is a blessing. Community is a blessing. 
And during this time of the pandemic, and even before that, maybe because of the season that I am in my life, I have become much more cognizant of the importance of village, of who is who is a part of your village. See, village is made up of people who've got your back, right? They may be near to you or they may be far. You may know them super well or maybe not so much at all, but they are people who have made the choice to journey with you. And see, when you grew up, you know, some of us, maybe not nowadays, but back, you know, back when you were growing up, uh, you know, your village was the lady down the street who, if your mama was working late and you didn't act right by the time you got home, your mama knew what you did because the village <laughs> told there was a time when you could go up and speak to a child about what they were doing and not worry about whether the child was going to pop off on you or their parent was going to pop off on you for correcting because that was what the village did. They looked out for one another. And I feel like sometimes in this day and age, we have lost a little bit of what it means to be a part of a village. But we sometimes recognize the importance of our village when we are in our low moments. When you see who shows up for you and who doesn't show up for you. When it is dark in the weight of what you are going through, in those moments you need other people who are willing to carry you because the weight of what you are experiencing, you yourself will buckle under its pressure. And so it is important in those times to have people who are willing to carry you. This man in our text today needed to get to Jesus and he could not do it alone. And for some of us, when we know that we need something, we don't care. We are desperate. We will call whoever we need to call. We will get whatever we need to get. But some of us are a little bit more hard-headed. We may know that we need the help. We may even have people who are willing to help us, but our disposition is one that doesn't allow for us to be helped. Our disposition is one that doesn't allow for us to be helped. Those are the folk you got to infringe on. You got to pop up at their house. You got to open up their curtains. You got to pull them out of bed. You got to let them know they stink. You got to throw them in the shower. You got to show up in a particular type of way because all of us are not always comfortable with asking for help or getting what we need. And I don't know which spectrum this man fell on. But what I do know is that in order for him to get what he needed, he had to, he had to shift his disposition. He had to be willing to allow people to carry him. That means that, that there was a level of vulnerability that he had to allow himself to be so that people would be able to help him. That is why village is so important because everybody can't handle you in your low moments. Pastor Mike says it all the time. If you don't, if you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. And oftentimes, folk can't handle you at your worst. They're like, oh, that's, that's a little bit ugly. I don't, I don't know. Call me back when you're, you know, you're doing a little bit better. And so folks are not always able to handle us, but the right ones are willing to carry you. And they don't get deterred by the obstacles that present in your situation. You see, when they got to Jesus, 
everybody was clamoring. It said there were so many people you could not get in and you couldn't get out. And the crazy thing is Jesus had actually come into town at night. He didn't tell anybody he was there. He did not announce it, but somehow they just knew that Jesus was there and everybody was looking for something from him. And so when they got there, it may have seemed impossible that this man was going to get in front of Jesus and get what he needed. And I imagine that the man, depending on how often he had been in that circumstance, how often he had reached, met obstacles, how, how low he might've been, he might've just said like, forget it. Let's just turn back around. He's used to the disappointment. He's used to people not showing up for him. He's used to not getting what he needs. But that is why village is important because when he saw no possibility, the village saw a roof. They saw a roof because the right folks will push you (laughs) to do the hard things and the scary things. I mean, I, I, I... This story has been with me for quite some time. And I just sit back sometimes and think about the the audacity to to climb Jesus's roof. The boldness, the faith that they would climb this roof with this man. They would climb this roof with this man. See, because when you're with the right ones, ceilings become doors. When you're with the right ones, no's become yes. When you are with the right ones, things were meant to keep you out, break you in. Y'all, they dug through the roof with their bare hands for this man. With their hands. You know, people talk a lot about people willing to go through the trenches with you. I'm wondering if you know about some people who are willing to dig some roofs for you, tear some roofs off for you. And see, if we're not used to receiving help, if we're not used to being carried, when people show up for us in that way, we don't always know how to accept it. And sometimes we feel guilty. Who am I? that someone would show up for me in that way. But who are you? You are worth that. You are valuable enough. You are worthy enough for somebody to show up for you in that way. And I know I've had a lot of snot-filled conversations with some of my friends because I have been in low moments where I felt that as a friend, I was not showing up for them in the same way that they were showing up for me. And they were doing way more for me than I was doing for them. But I learned something from that. One, my mom always says, you know, you don't block other people blessing you. You don't block it because you don't know what God is trying to do in them. So you don't want to stop whatever God is trying. You know, you just let people help you. But I also learned that you can't help nobody on the mat. See, sometimes we don't want to admit the fact that we are on the mat like that man. And we're in that circumstance. You can't do anything for anybody. And so in that season, you have to be able to receive whatever is coming your way. Because the hope is that when you are no longer in that season, when you are able to get up, when you are able to take your mat, then you are able to pass that on. But some of us have to just be honest about where we are. You on the mat, boo. And right now, you have to receive 
the help that people are trying to give you, the love that people are trying to give you, and you are worth it, and you are valuable enough to receive it. You need those people who, when you can't pray anymore, you know, sometimes you're like, what do you want me to pray? I, I don't even know. And they will, they will pray. They will speak in tongues. Y'all might not believe in speaking in tongues, but I do. So my friends speak in tongues. Okay. So they will pray for you. When you don't know how to fight anymore, they will fight for you. When you're not always sure of what you need, they show up. And you have to have folk around you who are willing to do that. You have, they have to be bold enough to be like, yep, so hmm, that roof, we, 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 going up on, we going up on the roof. Yeah, okay. Hmm. You, you got money to pay for the roof? If, if No, I don't, have, I, don't, I don't have any money. Do you think that Jesus is going to definitely heal? I'm, I'm not sure about that, you know. All right, well, let's do it. Who are just going to decide that they're going to just tear the roof off for you. And they're going to have that faith and that audacity. Now, I know there are some of you who are sitting there. You're like, mm, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have that type of village. I don't have people who are willing to show up for me. And I, don't, and I feel alone and I feel by myself. So right now, we are going to take a minute to assess whether your village is trash or treasure. Let's, let's take a moment to do that. See, we often want to blame the village. See, see I see where, I, where you thought I was going. We often want to blame the village and the folk in our lives. But really, the people in our lives are a reflection of who we are. So your village may be lacking if you are not open or transparent. You see, people are not mind readers. They don't always know what's going on in your life. And if you're very good at, I'm blessed, I'm highly favored, everything's good, everything's fine. You cannot have the expectation that people know that you are suffering. And so if you are not open or transparent, you can't just assume that people should just know. Because also we all have our own stuff too. So I may love you and care about you, but I'm also enmeshed in my own stuff. And so I need you to say, hey, it's a little rough right now. But not only is your village lacking perhaps because you're not transparent, but your village may also be lacking because you're not vulnerable. See, there's a difference between being transparent and vulnerable. Transparent says, hey, you know what? You can look in the window of my home, but you can't come in. Vulnerability says, come in, but be gentle with me. You see what I'm saying? Because there's a way in which someone can tell you about the situation and the circumstance in their life, but it's clear. Don't give me advice about it. I don't want to hear about it. Don't help me. I am just offloading whatever my experience is. They are not welcoming any help to you. They're just letting, I'm just making you aware of the situation. That is being transparent, but it's not being vulnerable. And in order to be in the place, that man would not have been able to be carried if he was only transparent, but he was not vulnerable enough to let somebody carry him. And so we have to not only be transparent, but we have to be vulnerable. Some of us, are willing, our village is lacking because we have not done the work to cultivate true and authentic relationships. You can't be a relational pariah 
always sucking from other people, sucking from other people, always taking from other people. And then when people need from you, you, you're not there or you're too busy going from mat to mat situation to situation that there is no space for you. That is not reciprocity. That is not relationship. That is not friendship. And so when you're in that type of space, maybe your village ain't showing up for you because you're never showing up for anybody else. And so we have to consider that, that the reason why is because we're not showing up for others or we're not showing up for others as well as we think that we are. Because sometimes we're making that assumption, but the village would say differently. Your village may be lacking if you have misaligned expectations of people. See, oftentimes we think that people should be in places and spaces because of who they are in our lives. They're your mama, they're your friend, they're your cousin, they're your spouse, they're your pastor, they're your your leader. And so they should be in your village. So we keep trying to force people to be in our village who don't want to be in our village or can't be in our village. And instead of seeing that there are other people who are showing up for us, we are so focused on those one, two, or three people showing up in a particular way that we miss the folks who are trying to show up for us. Stop trying to make people a part of your village who don't want to be or can't be just because of, of symbolism, because of the title that they have in your life, because you've been friends with them for 20 years. One of the things, and you've heard it if I've preached long enough, you've heard me say before or say that Bible study because I will never forget it. One of my old mentors gave me um, an assignment and it is where she made me liken my relationships to the temple. And I've said it before, where there's the inner courts, the outer courts, wait, the Holy of Holies, the inner courts and the outer courts. She made me assess where people were in my lives. Were they in my Holy of Holies? Were they in my inner courts? Were they in my outer courts? And then she made me look at my holy of holies. And she said, are these people the people that can take you to where you want to go? And if not, you may need to remove them. It doesn't mean you kick them out of your lives. It just means like, oh, you know, this is you got to you got to be on the outer courts. Because there are things that we sometimes need. There are ways in which we're growing and the people in our lives are not able to meet those needs. It doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them wrong. It just means that in this season, they cannot do it. And we also can't be mad if we get kicked to the outer courts. Because it it just may not be that that may not be the season for you in that thing. But we spend so much time trying to force people to be places and spaces and things to us that they don't want to be or cannot be. And then because of that, we miss the village that may be showing up for us. The other reason is because we build often our villages if left up to us based on what we want and not what we need. So as soon as there's someone who challenges you too much, who tells you too much truth, who pushes you too much, you eliminate them because what you just want are a lot of yes men in your lives who agree to what you're doing or you want to be the best in your circles. Listen, I I don't know how else to say, wanting to be the, the top in anything is just dumb to me. And I say that because then how do you grow? How do you give it? As soon as you are the best in any field, area, circle, you need to get a new circle. It doesn't mean you eliminate, but that is how you grow. That is how you, how you develop. That is how you change. And so some of us, you wonder why you can't get up and care. It's because you're on a mat and so is everybody else in your life. 
So if you're on the mat and everybody else is, who is carrying anybody? So you have to be okay with people doing a little better than you emotionally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. They're the ones that are going to send you behind the therapy. They're the ones that may give you a little money for that bill. They may be the one that tell you about that certificate program you need to be. Those are the people who help push you. But a whole bunch of folks on Mount, well, who, who's doing, uh, we, 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 you getting up today, John? We just, you, you just, you're not doing anything but being stagnant. So we have to be able to assess and really look at ourselves because our villages are a reflection of, of us. So then it's how do you build, how do you build a village then? If this is the case, you're like, all right, my, my village is certainly trash. Does that mean I'm trash? You know, if that is that, no, and it does not mean that you are trash and people are not trash either. I'm just, you know, joking around. But how do you then build a village? You build it with some courage. First and foremost, because sometimes it requires you to have to speak up and let people know that you need certain things. And you have to, you have to, you have to build a village. You build it through humility. And that kind of goal, that kind of coexists with humility. I remember um, I was talking to my therapist and she was like, you know, you need this thing, A, B, or C in your life. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have that. And she, and she was like, yeah, but you need to, you need to get that. And I was like, yeah, but I don't, I don't, I don't have anybody right now who can do that. And she's like, well, then you need to find it. And I'm like, find it. Yes. Build a village. It don't say the, the, it says if you build it, they will come. You can't sit there just waiting for it to come. Sometimes we have to be willing to build it, find it, pray for it, look it out, seek it out, do it create it in order to get what we need. Sometimes we have to create the village because it's not always there. I'm sorry that your mom and your dad didn't show up in that way. You still can create a village. I'm sorry that your friends are not showing up the way that they are supposed to. You can still create a village. You can still do it for yourselves if it's of importance to you. But that also requires humility. That requires maturity and the, the willingness to grow. To build a village, sometimes you might have to ask for help, accept help, and you also have to be willing to give help, to show up with nothing, not trying to get anything back, not doing it with, okay, I'm going to do this for them. That's quid pro quo. That's not, that's, that's, that's not what we're talking about here. You show up because, you know, sometimes we think it's one-to-one. If I give here, I'm going to get it back here. That's not how it works. I give it here, but I may get it back from here or over here, or over here. The point is that I'm putting those things out. It says, give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. That is not just about money, baby. That is about joy. That is about peace. That is about your time. The things that you are willing to give out that you can then expect to receive back. And I promise you that if you do these things in your mat moments, Someone is going to show up for you. God will bring people to show up for you. If your eyes are open, if your heart is willing, there will be people who are ready to take those risks for you because you are worth it. And you never know where that's going to lead you. For this man, it led him to the front in front of Jesus. And I, I just uh, let's get back into the story just, just for a moment. Like, can you just really imagine Jesus sitting there? 
in the house, all these people, they're having conversations. So Jesus was on a healing Sabbath on this day. Jesus was not healing folk. He was just giving the word, but he had just come back from healing in Capernaum. He had just uh, healed someone from leprosy. He had, he literally just healed a whole like city in Mark one. So Jesus was, it was a healing Sabbath. And he's like, I'm just giving you this word. I'm not, I'm not healing anybody. And could you imagine Jesus just sitting there and all of a sudden you hear something on your roof? Because it says Jesus was at home. So it doesn't assume that he was necessarily in his home. They also think that maybe he was in Simon Peter's home, but he was in a home that he was comfortable in. So Jesus is in his home. And here's something on the roof. And you're like, okay, well, that's, if we heard something on our roof, we might be like, "Mm -mm." you know, New York, we might be like, oh, that's just a big rat. You know, you just, you just like, what is that? And then all of a sudden straw. And things start falling down on you. You're like, what is this? And then all of a sudden, a person descends on a mat. And I'm, I would have been like, well, I'm Jesus. And I, I, that's the type of entrance I'm supposed to make. And this man descends down in front of you and, and, and right in front of you. How audacious. And so, you know what Jesus says? I'll take your boldness and I'll raise you one. That's what Jesus did. And that's what, that's what, that's what God, that's what God does. See, because oftentimes, you know, Pastor Trey preached last week and he talked about the man who sat at the water just waiting for someone to put him in. But when I look at the Bible, the ones who got healed were the ones who did not wait. It is Nicodemus who said, I'm going to climb up on the tree. It is the woman who goes and that says, I'm going to grab for Jesus in the hem of the ground, you know, his garment. It is the one, the man who says, I need you to heal my daughter. It is the Seraphonician woman when Jesus said, I'm not healing your kind. And she was like, well, even the dogs get the crumbs. And Jesus said, you know what? For your faith, you are healed. It is not the ones. Some of us seem like, oh, we're waiting on the Lord. And what you look like is the crowd that was sitting there that day. Oh, waiting. Oh, I hope Jesus sees me. I hope that he, he picks me holy holy lottery let's 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 hope no. instead of making a bold and risky move that gets the intention where it's like well son you you are forgiven because like what what she's gonna be like oh no and that's that's what i love about this is because it may sound to us odd, right? Because you, he goes there, he cannot walk. So you think Jesus would say, you are healed. But Jesus says you are forgiven. Not you are healed. You are forgiven. And it may sound strange to us, but back in that time, sin and disease were one. So there was the mindset or belief that the reason you were in a particular situation was because there was something that you had done. So imagine walking around for however long you're walking around and thinking that you had done something wrong, but you're not quite sure what it is. You're not quite, it's not like, you know, it's not like God comes down and says, it's this particular thing, but you're walking around with the mindset that somehow you are wrong. And everybody else is walking around with that mindset about you too. So simply telling the man that he was healed would have fixed his legs, but it wouldn't have fixed his mind. And see what I love about Jesus 
What I love about what God does is God doesn't treat the symptom. God treats the roots. And so for some of us, the root of things is what needs to be treated, is what needs to be fixed. So yes, maybe we are not walking around where our legs do not work, but there is something, and Dr. Green probably knows about it, called somatization. That is where your mental, we forget that the mental and the physical line up. So sometimes what is manifesting for you emotionally shows up in your body. We know it in basic ways. When you're sad, you cry. When you get angry, you feel these things. But sometimes our trauma, our emotions, and our circumstances affect our bodies in some ways. We are literally paralyzed. You wonder, why am I so tired all the time? Why can't I just push past this thing? Why can't I just somatization? It's because it's, your body is not the problem. Your mind is the problem. So if I fix your legs, or if I fix this, but I don't deal with the root of it, you're going to just perpetuate this again. You're just going to show up again. So Jesus was concerned about that. And so for us, we hold on to guilt and shame and these unforgiveness and all of these things and wonder why, why we always like, And if I just, you know, if I just do this, if I just drink a little more green juice, if I just exercise, no, if you just forgive, if you just let go, if you just some of them things that you are carrying, then your body might start to act in a line because it all starts in the mind first. And hear me clear before somebody walks out of here, Lord Jesus, hear me clearly. I am not saying that every physical manifestation of things is because of the mind. There are folk who have been through some traumatic situations and circumstances, and, and that's not. So please don't run out of here and, and, and give misinformation, okay? So I just want to be clear about that. I'm just using this to expand our idea and notion of how these things can show up in our bodies. But I'm certainly not suggesting to someone who is in a wheelchair or any other circumstance that it is something wrong with your mind. And that is why. So I just want to make sure I say that before someone walks out here with the wrong thing or feeling the wrong type of way. Okay. So let me go ahead. Okay. Back to the sermon. <sighs> the thing about somatization is oftentimes we don't even know <laughs> that the physical is a result of our emotional state. And that is what I think that Jesus understood. And so he dealt with the root, how the man thought. Because if the man, that's why I think Jesus goes on to say, when they're like, why, Jesus, why did you do this? And he is like, which is simpler? To say to the man, I forgive your sins, or say, get up, take your stretcher and start walking. It was easy for Jesus. I forgive your sins because if you can deal with someone's mind, if the man could believe something differently about himself, he could maybe believe in himself enough to get up, pick up his mat and walk. And people were big mad. They were mad. But listen, you cannot run around feeling guilty, upset, or feeling bad about the fact that you have a village. Because sometimes we do that, right? When we have people who are showing up for us and we see others around us who people may not be showing up for them, you almost feel bad for what you have. You almost want to hide the treasure. Almost you don't want, because you, you feel bad about it. But don't. Be grateful. Be grateful for that. 
And I can see, I can see the village. I can see, I can see the, the foreman looking down the roof like, oh, yes, you got up. Like, could you, like, everybody else was mad because remember, there were like Pharisees and Sadducees and people who were there who were testing Jesus. And they, they were mad at Jesus because they were like, we're, they're looking at the man like, who are you? And the Sadducees are looking at Jesus like, well, who are you? Because only God is supposed to say you are forgiven. So this audacity comes through the room and then here Jesus go around being audacious and everybody is mad. But the but the, the village, they are never mad when, when good things happen for you. They're like, yes, let them be mad. Get them. We're going to meet you outside, John. Okay. We're going we gonna to be around. Run because you can now. Leap because you can now. Right. And I love this because this story, I love this story so much because the story shows the responsibility that everybody had in facilitating that man's healing. The village had a responsibility. Jesus had the responsibility, but the man had a responsibility too. Because when you go down further, Jesus says, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. That means that the man had to choose to get off the mat. And we know some people who don't choose to get up because being a victim is so much easier. And so they get up, they like, I'm gonna take my mat and then they go find another mat and they lay down again because that victim posture is much easier because once you get up from the mat, then you have the ability, you have the responsibility to fully walk this thing out. You can't blame anybody else. You can't, you can't scapegoat anything else. And then you have a responsibility to do for others too. And for some people, and this is not a judgment, that's too much of a weight for them. So they rather just find another mat. And, 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 and that, that is, that is not, that's not a judgment. That is just a fact. But we have a responsibility to get up. You know, my, it's, it's, it's the funniest thing. Nia and Naya. They do this thing at night at bedtime where, uh, you know, we, we, you know, we're tucking them in, you'll put the covers on and stuff. And then, um, they, they'll, well, you know, you go down the hallway, they'll hear you coming. They don't think we'll see them. And the Naya, especially she'll throw, she'll throw the blanket off of her. And then she'll be like, mommy, my blanket. And I'm like, Naya, you can, you can put your own blanket on. No, I can't. I can't do it by myself. And so then you put the blanket on her and then she hears you coming down the hallway again and she throws a blanket, mommy, my blanket. And, and they're toddlers and that's kind of cute if it's not 3 a.m. But it's not cute when you're an adult, when you have the ability to put the blanket on yourself, but you keep throwing it off so somebody else will help you. And that's what, that's what going mat to mat can kind of look like. You just, you just keep wanting people to show up for you when you actually have the possibility to show up for yourself. Because it's hard. Listen, as we wrap this up, at times your healing and your breakthrough is predicated on having a village. It is, it is around you who is willing to carry you in your time of need. And if you know, you, you need to tell people, not everybody, but you, you need to, if you haven't thanked people who are part of your village, you should do that. Because you never know what your words will do for them. Some people are part of villages and don't, don't even know that they're part of the village. I am sure my therapist does not know that she is part of my village. But if there was someone who helped carry me down in front of Jesus, 
All them go base. So you need to let people know sometimes that they are a part of your village because you also don't know what it is it does for them. Because some people are so used to being ostracized or not feeling welcomed or not belonging that when you let them know that they are a part of your life and they made a difference because sometimes people just are doing what they do. They're just being themselves. It's nothing special to them. But it was special to you. And you should let them know that and thank them. We need to assess our villages today. Who's in our holy of holies? Who's in our inner courts? Who's in our outer courts? Who don't need to be in none of the courts? Some people don't need to be. They need to be out in the desert with the Israelites looking for manna. They don't need to, they don't need to be nowhere near the temple, near the incense, near any of it. But we need to be able to assess that and then make some decisions. And if we're at the place where we know that we have a need, there are people who are willing to show up for us. It may be that our disposition needs to change so that we can be carried. Your being carried is only for a season. It is not forever. We saw, I talked about a few weeks ago. Clearly, I'm tired. I'm talking resilience on ease, suffering, all these things. But maybe you're tired and maybe it's a little bit of a time for someone else to carry you for a little bit. To help facilitate your healing. So that you can gain that strength so that when it is time for you to get up, because you will get up. You have to know that if you press long enough and you fight long enough and you keep going, you will get up. That does not mean that more circumstances won't come. It does not mean that your life is going to be perfect. It does not mean that you're not going to face another valley in your life. But that you can get up. It says what? The righteous man falls down seven times. But gets back up. And Donnie McClurkin says, we fall down, but we get up. See, God, no, not to give me a voice because if I could dance and, and then preach and sing, it'd be a whole hot mess up here. But you know. So today we need to just do some village assessment and some self-assessment. And we need to be open to God today to say, okay, God, I'm willing to receive my village. Um, Lovey, who is on Instagram, I love her. And she says, she put something up that says, you know, something along the lines of, you know, let my village find me and then let me discern them when they come. So it's not just about the village coming. You have to be able to discern that they're part of the village. But that means that you cannot go labeling people. You have to be open. Some of my closest friends today, we laugh about it, were folk that like I would want to fight in the lobby of the church. And if I had, if you go around labeling people, then you're not, you don't open up growth. <laughs> There's someone who maybe once seemed like an enemy could, who could become a friend. Someone who may have been over here might be in this season. It may not mean forever, but you never know who is going to show up for you how if you're closed off. If you're closed off. And I like it. My sister up there says, let, what does it say? Let go. Do your thing. Oh, it says, God, I let go. Yes, I've seen that. It says, God, I let go. Do your thing. Some of us, we need to say that today. God, I let go of my expectations of who I think is supposed to show up for me. God, I forgive them. 
for not showing up for me. God, I'm open. Do your thing. Because I want to be, I don't want to just be healed. I want to be whole. I don't want just my physical to be okay. I want my mind to be okay. Let us pray. God, we thank you. In the creation story, it says it is not good for man to be alone. And the reality is that none of us is called to be, to walk alone in this life. That companionship is for us. Village and community is in the crux, in the heart of who we are. And God, for some of us, that is such a foreign idea because all we know is how to struggle by ourselves. All we've known is that we've had to show up for ourselves or do things on our own. But God, we release that survivor mentality today because we want to thrive. We want to have the life that is a life more abundantly. We want to know what it is like to love others and be loved back for just who we are. We want to know what it's like for people to show up for us and for us to show up for them in return. We want to know what it's like to be carried, but also the one to carry. We want to be know, know what it's like to be let down, but also to be the ones who let people down into the roof in front of you, God. We want to know the joy of being healed and being able to get up and seeing other people get up. God, we thank you for village. We thank you for community. We thank you that even if the world is telling us that those are lost ideals, that we can recapture those things because that is with the kingdom of God. Let it be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. We don't follow what the world is doing. We set the standard and our standard is one that upholds people who loves people beyond the limits of our prejudices that embodies those and welcomes those who don't think like us, who don't look like us, who don't love like us, who don't act like us, who may not believe like us. God, we thank you today. That we will, we would sometimes we used to say the doors of the church are open, the village is open. Some of us need to say, My village is open today. And let us fully allow people in, not just looking into the windows of our lives, but opening a door and saying, I'm letting you in, but please be gentle. We love you, God. We are grateful, and it is in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.